Welcome to Your Life Now Radio Show, where your life matters. Your host, Coach Rhea, is a certified professional life coach with a passion to help make the difference in the world. Your Life Now Radio Show brings you powerful resources and effective tips to help you live your best life ever. And now, here's your host, Coach Rhea. Hello, hello, my friends, and thank you for being here. This is Coach Rhea, your host, and I am the founder and the CEO of Your Life Now. It is a professional life coaching service. So, my friends, I want to always uh, um, thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the show. The show is also um, archived, so you can listen to it again, and it's also available on iTunes for free download in the podcast section. So your support to the show really uh, uh, gratefully appreciated. So thank you again. Um, as always, for those of you who have listened to my show in the past, I just like to set my intention. Um, my intention of doing this show is really to inspire you, to inspire you to make some positive changes in your life so you can live the life that you deserve. It's really up to you. It's up to you to make those changes. It's up to you to make the, the decision to, to change your life for the better um, but all I have, all I ask of you on this show is really to have an open mind and an open heart. It's all about bringing awareness to this present moment. See what's going on, examine what's going on, and, and from that point on, see where you can grow and when you can make the changes. So on this show, we try to cover a lot of different, it's about life, we try to give, uh, cover a lot of different areas that impact our life from our personal to professional growth and development self-esteem, health and fitness, money, finances, and, of course, the quality of life. On this show, I, uh, you know, I tend to have guests that help me along the way, and uh, sometimes I host the show solo. But I just wanted to put it out there as well. The show is intended to be thought-provoking and not a replacement for professional advice. All my guests are professional. You can reach them directly. I provide their information on my show page. You can also reach me. I am a professional certified life coach. You can reach me directly on my website at www.coachingbyria.com. With all being said, before I uh, um, I want to bring on my guests, I mean, I have a great guest here that I am so excited to have. My guest today is a best-selling author, Alden Taylor. He's an award winner. New York Times bestselling author of more than 300 books, audio, and videos programs. He is the inventor of the patent inner talk technology and the founder and the president of Progressive Awareness Research. He has been called a master of the mind and has appeared as an expert witness on both hypnosis and subliminal communication. Alden was practicing criminalists conducting investigations and lie detection examination for many years. He has listed in more than a dozen Who's Who publications, including Who's Who of Intellectual and Who's Who in Science and Engineer. He is a fellow in American Psychotherapy Association and an internationally sought-after speaker. His book and audio video materials have been translated into more than a dozen languages and have sold millions worldwide. Eldon is the host of the popular radio show Provocative Enlightenment on Hay House Radio. He's interviewed some of the most interesting people on the planet. 
His shows are thought-provoking and always fresh in both their perspective and and the exchange. Elder's new book, I believe, and that's what we're going to be talking a lot about, his new book, I Believe, When What You Believe Matters. I know we discussed this topic before, and he is here to talk to us more about it and explain how our beliefs can make a difference in our life on every level of it, and I am truly a believer of that. So um, in his book, he explains in detail how our beliefs influence our lives in every aspect of it. And I am so delighted, so grateful for you being here, Alden. Thank you, my friend. It's indeed my pleasure to join you, Rhea. And I'm I'm a professional, too, life student. Yes. (laughs) I always say, yes, 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 I agree to that. And it is really a pleasure to have you here. Of course, before the show, I was telling you that I'm a big fan. I listened to you many times, and I still do on Hay House Radio. Um, you have a great show, so I do encourage. It's on Tuesday, right, at 11? It, it is, Tuesday at 11. Uh-huh, 11 a.m. Pacific time, correct? That's 2 p.m. Okay, so it's the same, same time, time as mine. Different right. day. <laughs> so that's great. So I definitely recommend that you check it out. And of course, I do recommend that you check out, um, uh, we'll talk about it more, about what he's offering with his book, his new book, I Believe, When What You Believe Matters. So, um Elden, can you tell us a little bit more about Elden that we don't know? I mean, you are a great person, and you've been doing so many great things. In, in, in the, so give me something that I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. I have made uh, more than a handful of mistakes in my life. Uh, I hope I have learned from those mistakes. Um you know, for years I was a practicing criminalist. Mm-hmm. I spent my day running lie detection examinations, supervising investigations, maybe conducting a forensic hypnosis uh, session. Um, and, you know, the result of that was, um, well, there were twofold. Um, maybe because of my background prior to that, I left home early and that wasn't a really warm, fuzzy. Uh, I had a chip on my shoulder. I was very, I was an angry person. Uh, Hostile, aggressive, you might you might well mm-hmm. say, and I was paranoid. Uh, so I never, you know, I never went home uh, the same uh, way two nights in a row. I always had an eye on my rearview mirror as to what was behind me, etc. Um, I received um, taped phone calls, Taylor die, uh, on more than one occasion. Um, those are things that most people don't know, and they don't know because. I had an epiphany in my lifetime that reversed the direction of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I happened to be doing some research on this technology you mentioned at the top of the show, Intertalk, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had des- I had decided to do this for my lie detection practice. I'd heard that the Los Angeles Police Department had uh, employed a form of subliminal message um, in what they were planning uh, in case of a terrorist abduction uh, during the uh, L.A. Olympics. Oh, I'd heard that this uh, method that they'd used was so successful they dehydrated cadets in the academy in like three days. And the whole the, the whole terrorist scenario uh, was designed to, we'll play this across the telephone during the uh, negotiations, and uh, we'll let the 
terrorists think that they're in an area that is an infected area and if they have any of these symptoms, da-da-da-da-da. And so they had tested it on the Cadet Academy. And I thought, well, you know, if if there is a technology of this kind that you can deliver that a person's not aware of, that they they hear a sound that they think is maybe the sound of a furnace, uh, you know, an air conditioner, and it can cause physiological responses, maybe if I were to use this in my lie detection practice, I could diminish or eliminate inconclusives. Now, when someone comes for a lie detection test, a very honest person may be overly concerned that they're going to be found deceptive. And because of that situational stress, we can sometimes have what what is known as an inconclusive. Mm -hmm. We're unable to say with any certainty that they practiced deception or that they didn't. Uh, and then we often, you know, encounter the perp that, for all intent and purposes, has read his manuals on countermeasures and, and is there manipulating and attempting to manipulate physical reactions. And even when we see it and say, sit still or don't do that, they continue to do these things. And so the result is, once again, uh, we have an inconclusive. We can't say one way or another. Uh, so what if what if I could use this technology and and the and the honest person would float right through and and the guilty guy well he might wet his pants right uh, so from that setting uh, Rhea I I set about working or developing this technology that, that we call today InterTalk it worked very well it worked so well a friend of mine at the Utah State Prison said Elvin do you think we can utilize this to, uh, you know, lower hostility and aggression mm-hmm. uh, in the prison system. Right. Uh, can we take the technology, redirect what's going on in it for this kind of a purpose? And I, and I, you know, said, well, why not? Let's go try it. So we went out to the prison system. This was in the early 80s. Uh, and... Uh, you know, we did some very sophisticated psychometric measurements. I had a friend of mine, Dr. Charles McCusker, a stat psych guy, um, run these tests utilizing the latest computer augmentation and so on and so forth. Long story short, when we were all said and done, there wasn't anything that we had derived from the personality profiles, et cetera, that told us anything that we didn't already know. I mean, typically you had... Uh, High scores in low self-esteem and high scores in uh, social alienation. So when we visited with them, however, we we got a different picture. We got this picture that was the displacement of responsibility. It was the okayedness of blame. In other words, I would hear over and over, ah, but for the grace of God, there go you. You know, maybe I, I get the exaggerated, my daddy was an alcoholic, my mommy a prostitute, right. neighbor boy mainlined me at eight years old, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But almost always those stories were exaggerated, but even when they weren't, you know, we could have two brothers come from the same home, one a physician in a teaching hospital and the other one in maximum security in the prison. So what was it? Well, they were making choices all along the way. We all make choices. We may not be in charge of all the stimuli that comes into our life, but we're always in charge of how we react or how right. we respond to that stimuli. 
Well, they were making a choice, and the choice was essentially, it ain't my fault. If I'm no good, you're no good. And that became their mechanism. And because they could displace the responsibility, they carried on in this way and what we call criminality. Now, you can't do anything by way of rehabilitating someone that's not, not effectively, it's not their fault. See, so when you look at that, you say we have to undo this blame. Blame, blame is is the major obstacle here. And voila, I'm having an epiphany in this process because I'm doing the same kind of blaming. Only I found a socially acceptable way to do or to act out my aggression, you see? Right. right. So well, when we it, did I'm the sorry. interdiction, uh-huh. mm-hmm. when we did the interdiction, Rio, what we did was we went after undoing blame by using, still today, uh, what I call the forgiveness set. Right. I forgive myself. I forgive all others. I am forgiven. We combined that in this technology. We built some self-esteem affirmations in it. We employed it with the inmates. It was very, very successful. So successful, the, uh, the prison system installed voluntary libraries throughout all of their facilities from youth to max, and it was cloned out into other prison systems. Therein is something most people don't know about me. Therein was the change in my life. Therein was the discovery that I don't have to be a victim. I don't have to. And and, and, and it's important to understand that at the time, I was very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, among the very best at what I did, I, I think, you know, most people would tell you I was at the very top of my field. Uh, and uh, so... It, this is not about success from a standpoint of how we measure it, you know, power or money or fame. This was about success as a person. This was about my life beliefs and how they had limited what I could appreciate in life. That's right. 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 Well, you know, I, I, I just wanted to, because I, in my practice uh, with coaching, we, we I work with self-talks. You know, I, I, I do. Sure. Is it similar to the, the, uh, uh, well, the inner talk is uh, what it is, is it's a dichotically masked uh, form of, uh, of self-talk. We take affirmations mm-hmm. uh, and we, we use both forward and reverse in their channel, differentiated. There's 105 different claims to the patent, but the bottom line is, look, if if you say to yourself, I am good, you're mm-hmm. likely to get conversation coming back and that conversation is you know your defense strategies your true belief and it may well say things like yeah you know maybe sure uh, how about when you did this what do you mean by good let's qualify that mm-hmm. it it becomes really obvious and I do this one all the time. You have a seminar, and I've done it with thousands of people, and you can ask the people, how many of you want to make a million dollars this year? Mm-hmm. And and everybody raises their hands. They say, okay, now, you know, to earn a million dollars, you must know you're going to go at risk. You're going to do something differently. You're going to have to mm-hmm. really believe in yourself. So tell yourself right now, say it slowly, say it meaningfully, this year I'm going to earn a million dollars. It takes only a minute or two, and you start getting feedback, and you see people in the audience grin. And but what what happens is they start getting, yeah, sure. What are you going to do? Rob a bank? Right. <laughs> now you know. Look, if you honestly do not believe that you can earn a million dollars, well, you're just not going to do it. Right. That's all there is to it. Right. So our 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 
our self-talk is a reflection on our true belief. And the fact is, the more I tell myself that from the outside, I'm going to make a million dollars, the stronger the resistance, if there is resistance, from the inside. Right. So what what we do is we prime that self-talk by bypassing critical awareness in this technology that's dichotically masked. A lot of people think of it as just subliminal, but subliminal is buried, and and, Mm -hmm. and those people that say subliminal doesn't work say, yeah, but Eldon, what you do isn't really subliminal. So we kind of call ourselves the unsubliminal subliminal, but if you listen. But the bottom line is this. The affirmations are going to get in, and and they're going to bypass critical awareness. So these affirmations, I'm good, I'm capable, I'm positive, I feel great, I love life, whatever it is that, that you're programming, these affirmations come begin to come from the inside out. Right. It, it enters your stream of consciousness. It's not something someone else is telling you, including yourself. It's something that's coming from inside you. And you act in reliance on that. You trust that uh, where, you know, defense strategies and other things can resist and do indeed resist uh, the outside in. So that's Well, what you know, there. the thing is, and I, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I want to emphasize on the fact that, you know, this the, it, it takes repetition. It is supplemental. I mean, you have to keep doing it and you have to keep doing it and keep telling yourself that for you to believe it and i love what you said um quote to do the impossible you must first believe it is possible so you have to really sincerely believe it in you and that's not going to happen if i can feel keep telling myself i'm gonna win a million dollars i'm gonna have a million dollars by end of whatever what you know I, i'm not right now i'm not believing it right because i'm no thinking, that's like right said, you know, how am I going to come up with that money? What, what am I going to do? And, and is it going to be something like I'm going to go have to rob a bank or do something unethical or whatever it is to gain that money? So I have to truly believe that I'm capable of earning that million dollar by whatever time. And what is it that I'm well, going to be to earn? Not just, not just capable, Rhea. You, you have to believe, believe it. that you deserve it. Right. And you see what right. a lot of people miss and, and they really miss this, especially where the secret or the law of attraction is concerned. Our beliefs are like a giant web. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anybody that has, has come upon a, a large web, spider web, no, has noticed how intricate it is, how geometrically perfect it seems to be on the inside. But as you get out to the edges, how it begins to uh, separate and you get these less than uh, geodesic kinds of patterns, but it's still nevertheless all rigidly fixed. And if you touch any part of the web, any part of it, out on the outside, in tied to the center, all of it vibrates. Right. Now, in that same sense, our life beliefs operate. So now, follow me here for a second. If somewhere on this web I have the belief that money is the source of all evil, mm-hmm. that it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than for the laden camel to pass through the eye of the needle, the gate in Bethlehem. Uh, if I have any of those kinds of beliefs, then I can say to myself, all I want I'm going to make a million dollars. But that belief is going to sabotage me before I get there. And I often can have those beliefs and not be aware 
that I'm really hanging on to them, not be aware that I have some dissonant patterns. Let me give you a very real example, if I may. Sure, please do. Uh, I, I'm, I was going along doing my research, as I explained, came off the prison study, and, and a friend of mine from uh, the University of Utah, uh, Professor William Gillory, asked me if I wouldn't uh, share some of my findings with his honors class. And uh, and I said, sure, of course, when, when, when and where are you meeting? And he said, well, then we're going to meet at Kingsbury Hall. I said, why Kingsbury Hall? I mean, Kingsbury Hall seats some 1,200-odd people. He said, oh, black chemists of America are in town, and, you know, it's about 800 uh, chemists. As you know, I'm president of Black Chemists of America, and I'd like them to hear, too. Now, the minute he said that, this idea of meeting with an honors class, maybe 30 students, converts to, I'm going to have over 800 bright people, uh, all with PhDs. Uh, Mm -hmm. And my stomach hit the floor. It, it just it, it was terribly frightening. I told him I'd do it. So the day came. I did everything I could do. I mean, I drove to Kingsbury Hall. And I parked my car. I got out. I couldn't go in. I took my sports coat off, threw it on the seat of the car, took my long sleeve white shirt sleeves, and I went around to just rubbed them on the tires so I could I could provide evidence that I'd had a flat tire. <laughs> and I drove away. Right. Now, as serendipity would have it, a performer asked for a performance anxiety program. Could I do that? And and, and this was maybe a, a couple of months later, and I, and I agreed to do it. So I finished it on a Friday night. I had reservations in southern Utah, so I, I grabbed everything up. I ran down to southern Utah, checked into my little cabin. Uh, in, in Science uh, National Park, and I put on the cassette because I wanted to quality check it before I sent it out on Monday. And I had some paperwork, so I kind of, you know, laid back on the bed looking at the paperwork, and I fell asleep with this cassette going. And I had a dream. Now, the dream was a revivification of a real life event, it was triggered by the affirmations coming off of this audio cassette that I was listening to. The priming that we were talking about kicked up this defense mechanism. Here's what the dream was. When I was a boy, maybe six or seven years old, I wanted to be a singer. And so I watched Hit Parade and learned, you know, the song of the week. And I had learned Vio Con Dios, and I was singing Vio Con Dios. And everybody told me that I sang it well. And, and, and so we're at a family reunion up in Wyoming. And my mother's side of the family, very white-collar. My father's side, very blue-collar. They don't always get along. There's about to be a dispute. And my mother decides the way to head that off is put me out in the middle of the floor with all these adults and tell the world that I sing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, my voice broke up. I was terrified. I mean, right. tears came. I ran out of the room. And I'll guarantee you I decided right then and there I never want to be a singer. Right. Forget that one. Right. I sat up in bed when I had that dream, looked at the you know the ceiling because my mother had passed over at that point and said, hey, thanks, Mom. Thanks, thanks a lot. But right then and there, I had the uncovering. I realized why I was so afraid to be in front of people, so afraid of having a conversation, so afraid of getting up at Kingsbury Hall and sharing what I was doing. It was that experience as a child and Mm -hmm. the defense mechanism that had kicked in 
that that said, okay, I'm going to protect you, that is never going to happen to you again, was unconscious like they are for everyone. And I'm not consciously aware of it. I, I don't consciously even remember the episode, but it still has its grip on me, and it keeps me from doing things because as a child... I felt rejected. I felt humiliated. And, of course, we all want to avoid that, maximize our pleasure. So here I add competing views. The first one was I want to share my information. I want to get it out there. I want to do like you and I are doing now, and I'll guarantee you I wouldn't be doing this with you had mm-hmm. I not learned this. So how did but, you how did But you the opposing the view was, no, you don't want to do that because look at what happened to you when you were put out here to sing. And that's what I mean by dissonant beliefs, the mm-hmm. web, and how that web can control us or defeat us in everything we want to do. So, I mean, but how did you get out of it? I mean, what made you realize it was just, you know, I mean, obviously when we face what we fear of, we realize there's nothing to fear. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's just something that was put in front of you as your mother, what she did to you as an experience. You became, sure. you know, afraid to be public speaker and, and, and speak in front of people or express how you feel. But what what did you do? What do you think it well, was something? See, you, you remember as a child, maybe uh-huh. um, you become frightened of something in your Absolutely. bedroom, you know? Right. Uh, and so you call out to your parents, and somebody opens the door, turns the light on, and you see it's how you threw your clothes over a chair or a closet door or something. You can laugh about it. They close the door, turn off the light, of course, and and nothing has changed. That That object over in the corner of the room that you were frightened of is still there, but you know what it is. Mm-hmm. That's a true uncovering. You right. gave power over things when you know what they are. It's when we don't know why we're terrified, as I didn't, when we can't get a hold of it, that we we lack the ability to overcome it. We may mind over matter it from time Mm -hmm. to time, but it's not going to go away. We have to have that uncovering. And and having these uncoverings, unwinding all of these beliefs, that's what the book is about. It Mm -hmm. it wants to systematically take you through a process that assists you in understanding, you know, how you obtain the beliefs, how they all interrelate to one another, what they are, and how they can hold you back, and then how you can change it, the simple little things that you can do uh, to take control of your life. You know, most people, Rhea, and I'm sure you cover this day in and day out, have no idea of what the their last original thought was. Right. You know, and that's become one of my favorite questions. What was your right. last truly original thought? Because right. if you think about it, the way we dress, the clothes that we buy, our ambitions, the automobile mm-hmm. we have or the automobile mm-hmm. we want, even the kind of, of, of accessories, briefcases, purses, mm-hmm. etc., we consumed that out of the media. We consumed it somehow. Right. Uh, we brainwashed, it, basically, to be doing, become a consumer versus, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, and very, very true. And you know, most people do not realize mm-hmm. that 
by the time, the estimate is, by the time they're age 65, they'll have spent nine years in front of the television. The average 18-year-old will have seen 200,000 commercials. And all of these things, every one of these commercials are designed to sell you one message. I mean, the subliminal, there's one subliminal message in every single one of them. And that message is you're deficient. You're deficient. You're inadequate. You, you know, you're not thin enough. Um, you know, your complexion isn't perfect, but we have the makeup for you. Um, and, and, and on and on. You think about it this way. In order to sell you a product, let's say a life jacket, we have to make you think you might drown. <laughs> so, you know, the advertisers are that. telling yes. you every day you're deficient. Now, you probably also came through the same social organic process uh, or organic socialization process, I should say, that that we all did, family, peers, et cetera, telling us things like, you're not old enough, you're not smart enough, you're not ready to do that. That's beyond your ability. You're stupid. You're ugly. And maybe... Maybe someone along the line even told us things like, well, you have a funny smile, so we, we don't, today, we don't have a sense of humor. Or, you, you walk strange, and so we compensate in some way. All these things, I mean, we are herd animals, we do want acceptance. All these things make up every little belief that we have. They're all a part of that web. Now, we sit down in front of the television, we're told we're deficient. And and what people don't also realize is in under three minutes, in some instances, less than 30 seconds because of conditioning, our brainwave state changes. We go from the normal beta, awake, aware consciousness to alpha, that, uh, that same brainwave state that I have testified in a court of law is a hypnotic state and is uh, what we just would call hypersuggestibility state. So here you are, you're in your hypersuggestible state in front of the television being told 200,000 times by the time you're age 18, you're deficient in some way. You're imperfect in some way. I mean, you may as well go to your hypnotist, say, hypnotize me and tell me I'm no good. Yeah. Because You know, I have to tell you, I have... I'm sorry, I, I just wanted to put this out because I had examined my own belief. That's the reason I'm here today because I, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed that I do have accents. And I used to be frightened speaking over the phone. I had no problem, you know, because I came from a corporate sales uh, background and I, you know, so I was out meeting clients and stuff, but I couldn't speak with them over the phone. And my fear of speaking with them over the phone came from the fact that I had my accent. I don't know if they can understand me. I don't know if I can come get through to them. I prefer to be face-to-face. And right. look at me now. I'm hosting my own radio show. I do public speaking all the time. And, right, you, know, and you have and, a lovely accent. And oh, I, and thank I, you. But, you know, I, I just remember those days. And I remember when I used to think, it's like, oh, my God, I don't like to talk on the phone. My but my manager used to say like no you need to you need to make appointment you need to I'm like I can't send me out there and I'll talk to them face to face but don't make me talk to them over the phone and 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 you know unless you face what is it that you're really afraid of but the thing is what you were just talking about what really kind of it, it gets to me why do we sabotage ourselves why do we accept well, these beliefs and it, not it, we don't want to face them. No, but but it's really simple. The reason we self-sabotage is because we consciously say, I want something, 
But unconsciously, there is something that holds us back. I mean, you could say my failure to appear at Kingsbury Hall and speak to the opportunity of a lifetime, every black chemist in this country, or, or, or major black chemist, was a huge setback, was a huge mistake. That's definitely a self-sabotage, isn't it? Uh, so uh, what happens is all of these beliefs that we have tied together, they tend to, uh, as I said, like a web, when you tweak one part of it, Somewhere way out here in the other part of the web is a vibration, and that vibration is an unconscious action. Now, let me tell you how important that is. Benjamin Libet, back in the 50s, did some remarkable research where he showed us um, using what's known as a P300 wave or a cortical evoked potential that there was activity in the unconscious preceding conscious activity, and that this activity was in milliseconds. And and it was replicated many times, and so researchers by by the 90s, early 90s, were convinced and, and, and told everyone that, you know, look, before the conscious mind does anything, the unconscious is giving it what it's going to do, what it's going to say, what you're going to do or say. It's coming out of the unconscious. Now, that's a millisecond or so. I've had several conversations with friends that say we don't really have free will uh, because everything that we do comes out of our unconscious. And and in that millisecond time frame, we don't have an opportunity to, to change how or what we might have done. But hey... Now, I'll come back to that because that's an important point, the issue of free will. But but here's what we now know. With the advent of functional magnetic resonance imaging, we can view the brain live time. And I want you to try this one on, Rhea. Okay. Your entire audience try this on. Imagine that you're you're in an MRI, you're having an MRI, and you're given a choice to choose between something on the right or something in the left from a visual screen that's being presented to you. So you have two buttons, one in your right hand, one in your left hand. And and the material comes up on the screen, you have an opportunity to read and then choose whichever one you want. Imagine that that's happening to you, but the MRI operator, the technician, knows what you're going to decide as much as six seconds before you decide it. He, watching your brain, knows your decision six seconds before you know what your brain is going to do. And that is the state of the art. That's not science fiction. That's a fact. Yes. So, if you think of it this way, the information in our unconscious, for all intent and purposes, puppets us. It is the the language of the computer and what we have in the conscious is just the screen language that we're looking at. That that compiler, that Cobalt or Pasquale, the old languages, that, that language, that machine language, that's the unconscious. Now, let's go to this free will for a second then. Because now understanding that everything I'm going to do is going to be given to me as a matter of operation from my unconscious then what is it that I can do that really gives me choice? I mean, 
Krishnamurti said choice is a state of confusion. Do I do this? Do I do that? You know, in clarity, there is no such thing as choice. What is it that gives me the opportunity to make a choice that my unconscious hasn't already chosen for me? I mean, if I've already accepted the fact that I've been programmed, you know, I've been programmed for just about everything. I'm a consumption animal out there, my appetites, everything that I want to do, my video games, uh, what I want to purchase, and my ambitions, you know, all of that. You know, none of it is original. It's 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 all a part of of my socialization. If I've accepted it and I can see that, then I can realize that. Hold it. Wait a minute. What's going to come out of my unconscious is going to be those bumper stickers. Thank God it's Friday. I could even. I could even her. You know, yeah. that's yeah. what's going to come out. Those kinds of sound bites. Now wait a minute. That isn't what's going to give provide happiness or success in my life. How do I change that? I have to change what I put into my unconscious. I have to pay close attention to the information I choose to deposit in that vast reservoir of information and knowledge we think of as being contained in our unconscious. Because, I mean, that's the key, and that's what we neglect is the unconscious. Right, the, 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 the your your subconscious mind is what determines what happens in your life because that's the action part, right? That's so absolutely. You, so you, if you're physically conscious and aware, and I mean, I have a, like a, a small practice that I, I that I've been doing, and I share it with my clients as well, is always to try to bring myself back to that present moment by asking myself, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? What's going? You know, so I'm yes. constantly more deliberate. You know, because I mean, things are happening so fast. And what you said about the six seconds, it blew my mind when I saw I saw that video on YouTube a um, while back when they were doing the study. Yes. Uh, I think it was somewhere in Europe, right? The, um, right. Sweden or whatever. But it was I mean, the Germany. I'm I mean, sorry. I posted it on my Facebook page. Maybe that. But yeah, anyway, I think yes, that's yes. what you did. Yeah, because I think I because I, I shared the video and I, I saw it. I was like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> six it's incredible. Seconds. It's yeah. already been done. You know. And here you thought you were you were on top of it, but I think it's it's. Uh, I have a lot of questions. I'm going to give you a little short break, but I just wanted to tell everybody if you want to speak with myself or my guest, feel free to call us at six two six two one three five seven seven three. Skype is also available from the show page, so click on Skype if you're international callers and. Uh, Log on to the chat room. The chat room is open. Put your question there, your comments. I appreciate uh, um, my friend in the chat room for signing in. Um, let's take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to continue talking about our beliefs. And, and I want to ask you about spiritual beliefs versus the real you know, beliefs, which is our uh, such a belief that we were born with or we inherited as well along the way. <laughs> so okay, there's cool. a little bit of difference, so we'll do that. Okay. All right, my friend, we'll be right back. Your Life Now Radio Show with Coach Rhea will return in just a few moments.
Okay, my friends, welcome back. Uh, this is Kotria. You are listening to your Life Now radio show with me today, the uh, award-winning New York Times best-selling author, Eldon Taylor. We are talking about his latest book, I Believe When What You Believe Matters. Eldon, thank you again for being here, my friends. A lot of great information. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a subject that we could be talking about for for quite a while, and we only have an hour, so I want to try to get the best <laughs> the best okay. of it. Yes. Um, before the show, we were talking about our conscious and our subconscious and our beliefs and how they can actually uh, determine and design the life that we are living right now. So I wanted, I, so I said that I was going to ask you that question. I mean, people, when they, when they hear the word believe, they think of spiritual belief, you know, uh, faith or whatever. We're not yeah. talking necessarily about that, correct? No, we're not okay. talking at all about that. What okay. we're talking about are life beliefs beliefs about who you are, as close as you're going to get to the spiritual, and I do believe that that's a, an important aspect overall in our life beliefs, but as close as I, I want to walk you up to that is to remind you that uh, you know, you're know you more than a lump of clay passing from dust thou out to dust thou you know, returneth. Um, there is a good deal of evidence that uh, we are, you know, uh, individuals that for all intent and purposes survive death. I believe that. But but I walk you up to that point because I think in, in many, many ways that becomes an important element in our life beliefs. Um, but we're talking about life beliefs, not spiritual beliefs. Good. Okay. So... I, I mean, I know you signed your signature, but I actually wanted to ask you that question before I saw your email today. Who am I? I ask that question all the time. And you say, are we a verb or a noun? And I was reading your book about that. So who are we, really? Yeah, well, see, and I, I think that is a great way to, to look at our lives, a great way to define it. Here's, You know, this is kind of the context of that, Rhea. Years ago, I learned that um, Pythagoras, who has been one of my heroes in my lifetime, uh, was a mystic, not just a geometrist and a mathematician, also a musician. And uh, he had a, a school, and the Pythagorean Brotherhood uh, was highly sought after uh, membership in this uh, brotherhood. And, and this was a brotherhood that, that really went out to do their best to provide service to the world. Uh, and at the same time, they were very cohesive units. So you could see when you read this literature that this would be something you'd really want to to belong to. There's a lot of a lot oh, I would of love great... to check it out. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's... so, so mm-hmm. well, it's it, it, you know this the Pythagorean Brotherhood doesn't exist any longer, but it, but at the time, mm-hmm. uh, there were several tests that you had to go through in order to become a member of the Brotherhood. The final one was you had to appear before the entire Brotherhood, Pythagoras mm-hmm. himself included, and tell them one thing that you knew for absolute certain. Your so-called epistemological certainty you would share with them. On cue, they would immediately attack it. Ridicule, uh, criticize, uh, use humor. The whole idea was to see if you really did believe it. Now you think about 
what is what is the one thing that I would say if I were there? I mean, some might, well, I know there's a God. But the minute you'd say something like that, you'd get the feedback. What, is this a man or a woman? Is, he, is God all-powerful? If he is, can he lift a stone? Uh, can he make a stone so large he can't lift it? And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. All the tautologies that are involved in logic. Because these are the best logicians on the planet. So what is it that I would say? And I decided I would say this, and everyone in the audience, yourself included, could say the same thing. I'm not a noun. I'm an experience experiencing you. Hmm. I'm an experience means I'm a verb. I'm, I'm not Eldon Taylor. I'm not six foot tall. I don't live in Washington State. It's not about my diplomas or my awards and da-da-da-da-da. I'm an experience. As soon as I stop thinking of myself as a thing, and I think instead of my experience, I'm thinking of of the interaction now. I'm thinking of the moment. I'm fully involved in that. I'm involved in our conversation. And And you know what else? I alluded earlier to I want to walk you right up to the edge. So here we are at the edge because at the edge, assume I survive, mm-hmm. uh, and and now I'm on the other side, whatever that might mean to anyone or everyone. I, I'm not taking my swimming pools. I'm not taking my horses. I'm not taking my cars. I'm not taking my awards, diplomas, uh, etc. But what I will take, Rhea, is my experiences. My my relationship with you right now that will survive. That will that will go with me. And in that very real sense, reality becomes the three R's. Reality is relative to relationships. And in the verb sense, I'm no longer the consumption animal, that little rat running around dreaming about what I might buy tomorrow or what I might Uh, watch tonight, uh, uh, what's in the movies this weekend. Instead, I am actively involved in every moment of my life expressing it in its beauty. And in that process, all those things that I really want, like happiness and success, well, they're attracted to me. They just come into my life. They just are natural. I, I think it's it's a stage that we, you know, like we all have to, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, we have to. I mean, I think some of us really realize that we need to start waking up, you know, because we are sleepwalkers. Yeah. Majority of us are sleepwalkers. And, I, I, you know, I've been on this journey for a long time, and I'm still on, you know, like I said before, I learn every day. I'm, I'm, I'm evolving. I'm trying to figure this out. We don't have all the answers. I don't think I have all the answers, you know, and I'm still trying to figure this out. But I think I don't want to get myself into so much. I want to live the experience, like you said, you know, because we are here to experience things. And and the life journey and and what's, that's one of the things about you know life. You said one thing is it's never too late, right? Because that's right. I mean, at at, what, at any point, you sh- you know you are welcome to wake up and realize that you are here to live your life in the best way possible and to experience not material things. Because I mean, I think this is this is what like puzzles me. I, I think we focus so much on things. We attach, I know you, you talk about that in, in, in your book, Attached to Things. Can you detach yourself from things? 
What is it that we want? I mean, what is it most people want in life, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Right. It's not things, right? I, I'm not living just to no. have things. <laughs> no, no. And, and often the things that we think we possess indeed possess us. You know, we live to to maintain them, to keep them, you know, to paint them, to, to you know, and on and on. You're, you, you know, the human being basically, we want the same thing. Uh, from the day that we're born to the day that we pass uh, on to whatever the next dimension might be. And that's we want to feel happiness. We want to feel joy. Now, you know, the shame of it is today the research shows us that if you ask young people, what is it you want most out of life, you know what they want? (laughs) Fame. Fame. Right. Now... You know, when you look into our society and, and, and you look at the, the models of what fame is today, it's it's really hard to find a famous person that you would want to tell your children, this is what I want you to be like when you grow up. Right. Most For most, fame is about that 15 minutes in Hollywood. It's about the glimmer. It's about the the tinsel. It's about uh, the Rolls Royce uh, automobile. You know, it is about all of the accoutrements, and we're right back to that word of yours, the things. It's not about filling myself up from the inside. And, you know, the bottom line is all of the stuff that's out there doesn't in any way, shape, or form make me happy in here. There was a study that I posted yesterday on my Facebook page. Perhaps you saw it. I did. I did, yes. That Mm -hmm. spoke about exactly this, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Having things, having money, having success, it does not lead to long life, does not lead to happiness, does not lead to eliminating depression, eliminating sleepless nights, eliminating uh, insecurities, eliminating fears. It doesn't lead to that at all. Indeed, it seems to have a reverse effect. Uh, yes, that's what I was going to say. I mean, look around. It's, the, the the evidence is there. I mean, what happened to Whitney Houston? I mean, she had everything going for her. Yes, yeah. you know, unfortunately, it's so, such a sad thing. I had the opportunity last year to be on the red carpet. I actually attended the Emmys. And I thought that was wow. such a huge thing, right? So, like, right. everybody's like, how did you get to go? And, you know, so on and so And I was there. You know, it didn't. I didn't see myself different, and I even looked at people there, all these stars and all these movie, you know, television and movie stars. They're just people just like you and I, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, is it really what it is to be? It's really not. It's not. You know, as children, we pretend. Yeah. Uh, we play all kinds of pretend games, cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers, uh, you know, babies and dolls and buggies and, and um, you know, we call it playing house or playing doctor, mm-hmm. but, but we're pretending. Right. Um, we stand in front of the mirror and we preen and primp and we practice how we're going to stand. And, you know, I've, I've known young men that even make their fingers shake like a gun and say things like, go ahead and make my day, you know, the sound bites out of movies. And, 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 and in this pretending... We alienate ourselves from who we are. We lose ourselves. We we, we actually pretend all these different roles so well that 
if you change your clothes, I mean, I know that I, I have a little ranch in Spokane, and and if I if I'm in a a suit and a tie, uh, and coming from a college campus, my behavior, my vocabulary is entirely different than if I put my boots and chaps on and start out toward the barn where the horses are. We all know that we can change our clothes, and somehow we're chameleons. Yeah. <laughs> Things about us also change, and you, and you have to say, well, now why is that? What 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 is there in 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 a pair of jeans and tennis shoes? It is so much different. If you believe about yourself, you change something on the inside. Well, that's right. You know, we have multiple personality disordered patients who, in one personality, have blue eyes, and in the next, brown. Mm-hmm. Snap your fingers, they change their personality, and they're gone from hypoglycemic to normal blood sugar. I mean, there's a, there's a patient, one patient that I know of uh, reported that has a cancerous tumor on an arm, and when they change personality, snap the finger again, the tumor's gone. Now, what's happened? The only thing that's happened is the belief about who they are, yep. their personality has changed. Mm-hmm. And it changes kapowie, just like that, and the body changes accordingly. Now, you know, when you recognize that that's the power that exists in belief, you, you, you suddenly get a whole different dimension than most people even have. I mean, listen, one study that the audience should absolutely know about, and there are many in the book, I believe, but David Phillips at UC San Diego said, look, if the mind has such a powerful influence, uh, then what I should do is I'll go to China and I'll, I'll create a longitudinal study and I'll look at uh, what Chinese people die of because their birth signs tell them not just what they're going to do vocationally, but what they'll die of. Mm-hmm. And so... And they believe. I mean, astrology in China has a much stronger belief system invested in it than it does in America. So he did indeed do that. He he ran that study, and what he found was precisely that. If you were born under a sign to wit, you would die of cancer, you died of cancer. If you were born under a sign, you'd live a long, healthy life. It didn't matter how much you smoked, how much you drank, or anything else. You lived a long, healthy life. Uh that that to me is evidence a priori of the power of the mind not just to influence me you know in terms of my prosperity or my success or my relationships but my health wellness and longevity so in in your opinion i mean obviously mind affects the body and the you know belief system and i know you talked about it in your book but which is stronger our mind or our belief well, I don't think you can separate them. <laughs> I mean, the fact no, of the I matter mean, is, you, okay. your your mind. Uh, you, when you say your mind, you know, I, I'm thinking more than the organ brain. Right. Uh, the, so I understand. So mm-hmm. here we we've got the consciousness, which is who you are. Now mm-hmm. think about this one for a second, Rhea. What if tomorrow you woke up with total amnesia? There you stand, and you remember nothing. Who are you? Where's your mind now? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, but I think when I think of the mind, I think of the 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 the, the 
subconscious mind. I mean, our programs. I mean, there's a there's a fine line. And and See, now, if you, you clear just it hit on where your mind is. I'm sorry. See, you just hit on where your mind is. You see, if you wake up uh-huh. in this state of amnesia. You may not remember who your husband is or what what school you went to or what your name is. But in amnesia cases, you'll be able to speak your language. You're not a baby anymore. You can walk. You remember all the motor skills. You have the same kinds of pre-conscious dispositions existing in your unconscious. So who are you? What is mind? It's what we've put in the unconscious. That's the part that seems to persist. Right. And and that's uh, you know I mean it's always a fine line because I mean when I when I talk about you know uh, sets of programs you know people it's like yeah they don't really know what I'm talking about right you believe right. are sets of programs it's it's neural you know programs in your that are set already in your mind in your brain and you ask from that, from those programs. But sometimes, I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, a stronger force, which is, you know, whether you want to call it the, the, the greater mind or the our soul, is different than, you know, what our sets of beliefs are. And that's what right. I really tend to, you know, strongly, I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm right, but I, I feel that, you know. Yeah, you know, and I agree with you. I will share that with you. I mean, the personal, on the personal side of me, I believe that there is a, a higher self, and, mm-hmm. and you can use the language you want, spirit, soul, life force, uh, lots of different ways of looking at that. I absolutely believe that. Um, but what I try to do in the book is, is avoid conversations about religion, right. keep it in the science, bring right. it down to a practical level, make it easy for everyone to understand, oh, my goodness, I could just do this and you know, the curtains are open and the world is my possibility. Right, and that's that's what we want to keep it. But it just came to my mind because, I mean, it's, there's always that fine line between the two. And I know, you know, you, you talk about the, the relationship between science and spirituality as you, you know, we, you know, we don't want to really, I mean, I know we only have a few minutes. I hope it's okay with you if it goes just a couple more minutes over because I want to ask you a couple more questions. And if you are listening live, um, you might not hear us. A couple more minutes, but it will be archived, so you can go back and 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 uh, listen to the whole show again. But when it comes to setting goals, I want to talk about that because you know this is my background, you know, with coaching and stuff. What does really make a difference between the people who succeed and the people who don't succeed? What do you think is the uh, the plan? What sets them apart? The plan. The plan. The plan. You know. Mm-hmm. There's two things that I would answer that with, you know, but but it comes back to the plan because a good plan calls for action. Right. See, the very problem that I have, and from reading the book you know this, I have a problem with the law of attraction. Yeah. And the, the problem that I have with that is, you know, people are, are, are going along telling everyone, you know, all you have to do is visualize it, create your vision board, yeah. do your affirmations, you know, convince yourself that this is what you want, cut out your pictures from your magazines, you know, uh, assume that you have it, uh, expect that you have it, you know, uh, and, and, you know, there's nothing new about that. Uh, a fellow by the name of Glenn Turner, indeed, was indicted for uh, 
pyramid marketing uh, and, and years ago, back in what was, I guess, the 60s, and he was telling everybody exactly that. Mm-hmm. And we could go back, you know, to the Bible, what you sow is what you reap. And uh, uh, But here's the problem. Uh, and, and I go through a lot of different elements of, of the law of attraction in my book, so I'll just leave that for a second. But, but here's the problem with people who want something, uh, create the goal, and yet fail in the goal. And it doesn't matter if this goal is I'm going to build a Fortune uh, 500 company or if the goal is I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Okay? Mm-hmm. They fail to make an adequate plan. You know, and, and a plan, in making a plan, a good plan, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my goal. Let's say my goal is I'm going to lose 10 pounds, and and I'm going to break that goal down in. What What is it that I'm going to do to lose the 10 pounds? Why am I going to do this to lose the 10 pounds? How am I going to feel when I have lost the 10 pounds? What ways will losing the 10 pounds impact my life i am going to go through each of these areas i may discover that oh wait you know if i lose 10 pounds i'm going to have to spend a few hundred dollars on new clothing i'm not ready to do that and because of those uh, mutually exclusive beliefs i sabotage myself on losing the 10 pounds i mean that's an exaggeration but it is you know that that applies in many instances to people what is it that I am going to give up? And this is the most important thing. What is it I am going to give up if I lose the 10 pounds? You see, any goal you have is going to require a change. A change means you're going to give something up. That's exactly what it means. And people often, I'm not willing to give it up. I don't want to give up my chocolate. I'm not going to give up my Coca-Cola. I'm not going to, you see, and that's that becomes a very important part. Now, the action part of the plan is I'm going to do this. It's going to happen in increments. I'm going to lose the 10 pounds over what period of time? What's realistic? I'm going to give myself 60 days. How am I going to measure that 60 days? Well, by day five, I will have lost this? No, that's not the right way. What is it I have to do every single day that will ensure that I'll lose the 10 pounds in the 60 days? Well, day one, I'm going to exercise for a half an hour on the treadmill. Day two, I'm going to exercise for a half an hour on the elliptical bike. You see, I'm going to break it down to where I have action. Imagine this. Imagine that you have your your uh, uh, people that you know believe in the law of attraction. I, I go through a little story like this, I mean, and, and basically in the book I say, what's wrong with this? But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you you have ten ten families, and they all are great law of attraction studiers and you know students, and and they know exactly what it is that, and how to do it, and and their children are competing in a contest, and 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 you know, there's a couple of other kids in the neighborhood, but but they're not law of attraction people, so we don't have to worry about those. So the 10, they really work hard, you know, because this is a foot race and there's a great prize for it. We'll say it's a scholarship. And and they work hard. They visualize it. They do everything that they can do. And then on the day they go to win the prize, well, one of these other kids that doesn't even believe in it but just happens to have a great uh, amount of athletic ability, he wins because that's how the real world works. Right. 
Now you have 10 kids that went away, and they didn't win, but they did all of they could with the law of attraction. Well, what if all 10 were the only 10? Well, only one of them would win. So what would the other nine do? You're going to tell me that they didn't do it properly? The fact of the matter is, in order for us to succeed in life, what we have to do is create a reasonable goal with a solid plan and then take our very best to it. If we do that, we never lose. And, and, and I, you know, there's a story. I've only got a few minutes. I know you do too. We're on overtime, but this story is really worth understanding what I mean by you can never lose if you take your very best to it. Yeah. When I was a boy, I was troubled by this notion that, you know, we're all created equal in the eyes of God because you could look out into the world and see such disparity. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I took this question to a cleric, and the cleric said to me, Eldon, do you know who Walter von Braun is? And and I'm dating myself now, but I you know, I, I knew who he was. He was on every magazine in the in the country. This was the rocket scientist that brought liquid uh, uh propulsion to our what today we know as ICBMs. So yeah, I know who he is. It, it, it just you know, had this great successful launch and uh, Cape Canaveral. I mean, the world knows who he is. Well, he says, imagine how he feels watching that rocket rise in the air. You know, his lifetime work, the camera snapping. There, you know, he is he is world famous now. Yeah, I can imagine that. I'll bet he feels you know really good. Right. He says, okay, I want you to imagine a custodian. He, you know, this is just a janitor. He works in a school. And uh, there's a young teacher's aide that uh, is being employed by the school, and they don't have an office for her. But in the basement, there's this room that they've used for storage, and he's been asked to clean it out for her. Uh, he's met her, and she's been really nice to her, and he likes likes her. Uh, she, and, and, and so he goes to this room, and he looks at it early in the morning. You know, he, he arrives to work early to get it done, and, and the floor, this black and white tile floor, is just horrible. So on his hands and knees with the strongest of chemicals and with toothpicks and toothbrushes, he scrubs and scrubs every inch of it. He doesn't take a break. When he gets it clean, he waxes it by hand, uses a paste wax, hand rubs it, buffs it with his hands. And here it is late at night, 10.30, 11 o'clock, and he's standing at the doorway and his knuckles are raw and and, and and his knees are bleeding, and the chemicals have his eyes burning, and he looks at the floor. He has done his very, very best, and this floor glistens like it couldn't have when it was new. Mm-hmm. How does he feel? Well, of course, he has the same feeling that Walter Von Braun would have. Wow. It is that quintessential feeling. When we take our very best to mm-hmm. something, right. What, what we cannot lose. I know you talked in the, you know, um, in your book about the seed uh, story. I, I love that story when the the uh, Jim was in the yes. book. Yeah, uh-huh. when he, you know, he gave a bunch of of his executive seeds to plant, and and the one that succeeds supposedly will be appointed uh, CEO of uh, of the company or chief of yes. operation, or whatever. And I love that story because I think that's you know, but. But the whole thing is really comes down to you know uh, I mean that's probably about honesty and, and and being authentic in in that story but uh, 
it's the same thing. If you believe that you can, you know, he do your best and, and keep doing your best, I think that's the key. And it, I just it, it, to, yeah. it is integrity. I mean, you, 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 you know, the story that I really love is the two guys that are hired by uh, the employer. I mean, they go to him, they want a job. And he says, okay. Uh, and he hands them two wicker baskets and he says, go down to the water or down to the well and, and pail water, pull water all day. Right. So they go down to the well, you know the story, and one of them says, this is yeah. stupid, because the water runs right out. So he lays down and takes a nap, and the other one does as <laughs> he's told, okay? And, right. and, you know, end of the day, he sees that he's got gold nuggets in the bottom of the basket. Well, of course, he gets the job, and the other one's sent away, much to his chagrin. We often cheat ourselves in our attempts to cheat others. I don't think it's possible to cheat another human being without cheating yourself. And I think the John Huntsman story, another story that I share in the book, a man who who makes a deal for $57 million, but it takes attorneys yeah. six months, a true story, takes attorneys six months to get the paperwork ready, and by the time they have it ready, that part of the company he is selling is worth over a hundred million dollars, and that. and the man, the man he's selling it to, says, "Hey, John, let's split the difference in the middle." I, you know, I mean, this 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 is just I, I'm taking advantage of you. Afraid that Huntsman is going to back out of the deal because they've done the deal on a handshake. On a handshake and just the word, right? Yeah, and Huntsman says, "I gave you my word." My character is worth too much not to go through with this. I definitely recommend your book. And I, this book is available in all five bookstores and Amazon. And you can also go to um, eldentaylor.com website and order from there. The The book comes with Inner Talk CD. It's a $27.95 value. And he also offering... If you when you buy the book, um, if you get one copy of I believe you can enter a drawing to win one of two customized inner talk libraries, and that is valued at over five hundred dollar each. Um, you know, I mean, I, I have to tell you, I had already told my friends about this book, and 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 uh, and it's a really really good book to read. And uh, you know, I long long time ago I've read uh, Claude uh, Claude Bristol. Is it? Uh-huh. it the the power of believing and and you exceed it. <laughs> I don't know if you read that book before, but uh, but anyway, I think your book is fantastic. It 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 really brings down um like I always want to say like one oh one you know uh, understanding of our belief system and how we can change it and how we can try to understand it and and you map it really really well. And I mean, you got some of the the great people behind you sponsoring, you know, um, the the book and writing about it. I I, I read all of them. That was really uh, pretty cool. So, anyhow, well, my friend, thank you, thank you, thank you so much from from the bottom of my heart for being here. And I think one of the things that I wanted to also put out there, and I think you said it in your book as well. You said, "Don't believe what you hear, and don't believe everything." Right? I, yeah. I think it's really important to to. To uh, um, to know who you listen to as well. Um, that's uh, tune, tune, tune into your radio show. Listen to Coach Ray. Uh, you know oh, I thank she you said so her much. Intention, you inspire her me, everybody. Is to you, you have no idea. There's so many people in my life that inspire you. You are definitely one of them, and I do appreciate you for being in my life. I do appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, and anything else that you you like to say before we uh, we say goodbye to our uh, listeners for now. 
Well, you know, my bottom line, I, I say it every week on, on my own radio show, I'll say it here. Um, but before I say it, I love you, Rhea. I, I really you. appreciated being on your show and then oh, to everybody you're... out there. Remember, believing in yourself always matters. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. With all that being said, much love to you. I appreciate you. I thank you. And remember, this show will be archived, so you did not, listen any, you did not miss anything. And please download it on iTunes, the free podcast on iTunes, so you can listen to it on your iPod, you can listen to you on your iPhone, whatever form of uh, Apple device you have. You can definitely do that, and it is free of charge. So take advantage of it and, and listen to some of the great stuff that my guest had mentioned on the show. Thank you again, Rhea, my friend. Rhea, one, one quick other thing. You've told everybody about the, the gifts that they can get by getting the book, the drawings, et cetera, but you didn't tell them where to go to do that. I did. I said AldenTaylor.com, right? I'm sorry. If you did, I didn't hear it. Yep, that's it. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay to say it again. AldenTaylor.com, www.AldenTaylor.com. And uh, that information should also be on the show page. And if uh, we missed it, please make sure you go ahead and visit Alden's uh, website so you can get your book there because they have to do it through your your website, right, to to enter the drawing? Yes, they, they okay. enter it through drawing. They don't get the book from me, but they enter it there. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, but they don't buy it from there. They just enter it for the so drawing. So they can go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble. They can just go to that page, click on the book, and it, and there they have the choice of Amazon, Directed. Barnes & Noble. Yeah, and then they, they come back and they enter in their uh, their receipt number, and that enters them into the drawing, and it also opens up. The, there's over 100 gifts that are there that are being given by, you know, people like uh, John Gray, Stanley Krippner, Larry Dossi, uh, you know, some real visionary people uh, in our field. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And you, you have some of the greatest people on there that have given a lot of great gifts. So take advantage of it and, and, and put it to use. I think there's no um, – I always say um, – I've heard that before – I think, I'm trying to think who said that, but he said, if you have too much information, you become constipated with information if you don't put it to use. So put it to use, right? Right. <laughs> so, we, don't, we don't want you just to get constipated with information. So I, I wish you the best, and, and I thank you all for being here, and I thank you, my friend, for being here, and until next time. I, Indeed, my pleasure. Thank you. Good night. Or good afternoon. Good oh, good afternoon. Yes, good night. Bye-bye. Are you ready to put an end to thinking about how you wish it were and take action? Take this step to find out more by going to coachingbyria.com and you can receive your free consultation session with Coach Rhea. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.